Well, you know what that music means. It's time for us to talk to Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun. Lots for us to catch up on today. Good morning, Vaughn. Good morning, Simi. And I'm going for the theme music today with my other song of choice, I Want to Be Sedated by the Ramones. <laughs> these, these latest I numbers know. are so discouraging. They are. Uh, they're so discouraging. You know, almost a thousand cases in one day. Uh, we're a long way from getting on top of the second wave, we are a long way from bending the curve in the right direction. I know, and it seemed like, I think there was a little bit of hope, you know, before those numbers came out yesterday, that, okay, maybe we were hovering between five and 700, maybe we're going to start to see some improvement here, but something clearly has gone wrong. Like, Vaughn, what do you think, are people not paying attention? Well, you know, I think the government would like us to blame the public. Uh, they're too stupid to have figured it out. They're not following the rules. But, you know, we got this uh, presentation yesterday from the Solicitor General. Mask up. We're going to start fining you. Well, I would just note that for weeks they told us that mandatory masking was not a panacea. Exactly. It was not a solution. Now they're telling us we got to do this, mandatory masking. And, you know, I just go like... The politicians didn't hesitate to take credit for what a wonderful job we did in the first wave. Oh, you know, this is great. British Columbia is leading the world. You know, we're the poster child for it. Now that the second wave is going exactly the opposite direction, it's our fault. And the example I point to is the discussion we had earlier this week. So rapid testing of long-term care homes. There, There have been 66 deaths in the last 10 days in British Columbia, and two-thirds of those are in long-term care based on the data we have from BC Centre for Disease Control, right? So we talked about this. You've talked about it. I've Mm -hmm. written about it. Why not rapid testing? It's a way of, at least in Fraser Health, where we're getting these cases, you test the staff every day. Yes, it would be onerous. Yes, they're not entirely reliable, but at least it would give you a sense of what's going on in long-term care. Oh, it's not a panacea, we're told. Say almost exactly the same language as we got on mandatory masks until they told us to wear the mandatory mask. So yeah, we're going to wear them, but when are they going to wear and I mean the government collectively, when are they going to wear some responsibility for how much this second wave has gotten out of control before they brought in the measures necessary to crack down, and they're still in denial about rapid testing. That's the thing that gets me is that they, you know, they always said, oh, we listen to the health officials, we listen to health officials, but health officials' opinion change over time. Yeah, they do. And I would expect it, actually, that, you know, as the data gets better and the information gets better, things would change over time. But what I have trouble with is how long it takes them to acknowledge First of all, that things are out of control. And second of all, some of the solutions, um, I mean, on rapid testing, okay, we're told we don't have enough tests to do everybody. Well, no. Okay. So how about a pilot project? How about we pick the long-term care homes in Surrey, which is ground zero for the outbreak, and let's try it there and see how it goes. I mean, that's what strikes me as that would be sensible and that would work. And, you know, 
since I started writing about this, and you know, you've done the broadcast on it, you probably had the same experience I have. I am getting letters from people with relatives in long-term yeah. care who are frustrated and frightened. They go to visit the aged parent in long-term care. They get 45 minutes behind a wall of plexiglass. And they're going, what's going on in this place? You know, you've got outbreaks in these places. Um, You've got, and as I said, I mean, we know that disproportionately the people who end up in hospital and sadly the people who die are residents of long-term care. I know. And it's so sad when you hear that from people. And I think people are angry about this as well because they're not getting the direction. There's confusion. Like, for instance, yesterday, Vaughn, they amended that health order, right, to suddenly include indoor gymnastics facilities. And I was in the the middle of a workout and I said to my trainer, oh, I guess you guys, we were doing it via Zoom. And I said, well, I guess you guys are going to have to close. And they didn't know anything about it. Yeah. They thought they were okay. So I think by changing, tweaking these orders, a lot they're leaving a lot of confusion out there. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the big blitz of orders that we got on Saturday, November the 7th, you know, and, and you had Richard Zussman on talking about this. He, said, he spent days explaining to people what the hell these orders mean. They've had to clarify them. There's a grimly funny cartoon in the Victoria paper this morning by the brilliant Adrian Rayside and it's a restaurant and the 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 waiter is handing the order in to the cook behind the counter and she says here get their order filled so I can get it to them before the rules change again like again I I actually think most people are really well intentioned out there and trying, but they've been getting a lot of mixed messaging, a lot of confusing. Yes, it's a shame when people are just looking for loopholes. Yes, it's a shame that some people are unbelievers on the mask thing. But I think, again, an awful lot of the confusion is because it took the government a long time to face up to the second wave and to deal with it. Uh, they spent five weeks running for re-election. They weren't communicating a lot of messages to us then about safety. And people take their cues, right, yeah. from what they hear on a daily basis. Here's a number you won't hear from the government. I know we get swamped on data. 20,000, 20,000 of British Columbia's 28,000 cases of COVID-19, 20,000 have been recorded since the day John Horgan called the election. of our cases is since the Premier decided that it was more important to call a quickie election than to spend his time telling British Columbians to mask up and deal with the building second wave of the pandemic. Well, that's an excellent point. That is so stark when you put it that way, too. I have a feeling the next couple of months is going to be pretty rough here for the government. Plus, they have a new interim opposition leader to deal with. Yeah, interim opposition leader, Shirley Bond, stepped into the job. Uh, not an enviable position, one has to say. She's a good soldier. Uh, 20 years in the legislature. Uh, tough, I would say. Uh, but no, she's got the job. Uh, she says interim, right? She's not looking for the permanent job. She's not you know, any of those things. 
But at the same time, she says the liberals have got an awful lot of work ahead of them. I think everyone would agree. Uh, she's going to do the interim leader of the opposition job in the legislature, holding the government to account while the party tries to get its act together and deal with what happened to it in the election. Uh, Bond says this is going to involve a lot of listening to the public, a lot of effort to think about why they were reduced to a relatively small number of seats in a one or two areas of the province. They've got to think about diversity. They've got to think seriously about it. She's right about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's a long road ahead of the B.C. Liberals, I would say. And they are authors of their own political misfortune. Uh, you also mentioned, though, what an, uh, a year that Shirley Bond has, has you know, had. Like, what a, what a remarkable woman. This is one tough person. Yes. You know, her husband died of a stroke uh, in early June... Uh, you know, she posted the news herself on Facebook, uh, missed them. 41 years of marriage. Bill and Shirley Bond were known as the Bond team in, in her part of the province in Prince George. They campaigned together. Uh, Bond was three terms on the school board, five terms as an MLA, and she's on her own for the first time. Two weeks later, she was at, her, at work. She was online when the legislature resumed doing her job um you know it's interesting she said what else am i going to do you know she said my my grandchildren and my uh, and my children uh, yeah they, they can look after me but you know i've got a job to do i'm going to do it she ran for re-election uh, the liberals did badly as you know in the election but people in prince george 58 percent of the vote for shirley bond she's back the party has chosen her as their interim leader. Um, you know, it's a good beginning for the Liberals. They've got a lot of work ahead of them, but they, she's a one tough leader, I'll say that. No kidding. All right, Vaughn, thank you. Bye-bye, Simi. It's our Vaughn Palmer there from the Vancouver Sun talking about the challenges facing this government. And the questions are going to get tougher and more and more uncomfortable for them. And today, once again, that presser coming up with Dr. Bonnie Henry and Adrian Dix at 3 o'clock this afternoon.